You're listening to the Northside Christian Church Sermon Podcast. These teachings are recorded at our weekly Sunday morning gatherings in Springfield, Missouri. For more about our church, service times, and how to connect, visit northsidechristianchurch.net. If someone gave you the opportunity to have any wish that you could have moms in the room today, what would your wish be? What would it be? And they could actually do it. So it's not like, mom, what do you want for Mother's Day? And then, you know, they really can't afford it. But would it be a big table with all of your family around and someone else doing the dishes and the cooking and the cleaning? Would it just be the cleaning? Um, whatever it might be, whatever it would be, think of that for just a second. And even, even we'll let the dads and everyone else participate too. What's the one thing, if somebody had the power to give you anything, what would it be? There's an interesting and kind of odd story in the Old Testament in 1 Kings chapter 3. We're going to be there for just a little bit, but if you want to go ahead and turn there. Um, it's a familiar story. I'm, pro- I'm sure if you've grown up in church like I have, you've probably heard it before. Um, but it's very, very interesting, very peculiar. God shows up to Solomon, you know, the son of King David, shows up to Solomon in a dream, and he gives him this wish. Um, I guess you could call it a wish. Uh, God says he would give anything to him, anything that he asked, he could have, and God would allow it to happen. He would, he would let it happen. I've always been fascinated by this story. This story was to me because I grew up um, going to church, but also watching Aladdin. So it was like a mashup story, right? It was like, this actually exists, but you only get one wish. And I, I won't lie, I've actually spent a little too much time thinking about and having a little bit of anxiety about what would happen if God just poof out of the cloud said, all right, anything, because I know for a fact that I would blow it. Like, like we, know that, uh, we know that Solomon did well, and we'll get to that here in just a second. But, you know, if you had your wish and God came to you and said anything, what would it be? And it's kind of terrifying to me to think about what I would answer because depending on the day and how hungry I was or where, you know, where I was, like, what would, what would I do? Would I do the right thing? Would anyone be able to tell that I made a wish? One of my favorite comedians, Nate Bargassi, has this bit where he talks about um, if he got to travel back in time, like if he somehow figured out time travel and he went back into time, he doesn't think that he could convince people that he was from the future. It's kind of a, a joke about kind of how, you know, he's saying he's pretty dumb and they're like, okay, well, who's the next president? He's like, I don't have any idea. And he, he's like, uh, you know, see somebody on like a rotary phone. He'd be like, you know, if someday we're going to carry those in our pockets. And they're like, well, yeah, how does that work? And he's like, I, I have no idea. He's like, satellites got to go pretty high or something. They're like, what's a satellite? He's like, God. So he's like, he would get stuck in the future, in, in, in the past. It's a whole, you know, back to the future sort of thing. He gets stuck there because he couldn't prove that he was from the future. What would my wish be? Would my unlimited supply of Sour Patch Kids help anyone but me and my dentist, right? That'd be like the two people cashing out on this. Um, now the answers I would probably give now would be things like, you know, would I end world hunger? Probably not. I just want a gas tank that would not go empty, right? Amen, right? Would I stop natural disasters? No, probably just like a bathroom that cleans itself or, you know, the practical stuff, that sort of thing. Well, it's obvious why God has not given me this shot because I would obviously blow it. But Solomon actually gets this chance and he doesn't ask for these types of things. He doesn't ask for his wildest dreams. He doesn't ask for possessions or wealth. Look at what he asked for. First Kings chapter three, verses seven through nine says, Lord, my God, you have, you have now made your servant king in my father's David, in my father, David's place. 
yet I am just a youth with no experience in leadership. Anybody ever said that before? Your servant is among you is among your people. You have chosen a people too many to be numbered or counted. So give me, give your servant a receptive heart to judge your people and to discern between good and evil for who is able to judge this great nation of yours, this great people of yours. You see, Solomon is thought when he gets this question asked of him, Solomon is thought to be less than 20 years old. And I don't know how you were when you were less than 20 years old, but I did not have a whole lot of self-awareness. Okay, some would argue that I still don't. But, but this idea that like you have one wish and Solomon's wish is not that his, he would live for a really long time. It's not that he would get all the possessions and gain everything in the world. It's not all of these things that we would immediately go, ah, like genie in a bottle type of things. It is for discernment. He asked for discernment. He asked for, um, you know, that he would be able to judge the people of Israel rightly. He asked for wisdom and not just so that he could be like the smartest person in the room or win trivia night with the boys or anything, but but that he would administer God's justice well. And then God responds in this way. So God said to him, because you have requested this and did not ask for long life or riches for yourself or the death of your enemies. I didn't even think about that one, right? But you asked for discernment for yourself to administer justice. I will therefore do what you have asked and I will give you a wise and understanding heart so that there has never been anyone like you before and never will be again. In addition, I will give you all that you did not ask for both riches and honor, so that no king will be your equal during your entire life. We've been in this series called Revealing Justice, and Wayne has in the first two weeks laid out kind of the groundwork for a definition of biblical justice. The, the idea behind the series is we, we knew we would be reading through the Bible this year, and, and right now we're coming up to the, we're going to the prophets, and we're in Isaiah, and we're kind of seeing this idea of justice, this idea of God's justice, biblical justice. Obviously, it's a cultural thing, but we see, we see it as a hot-button thing in culture, but we see it right there in the Scripture, and you see, we, we wanted to make sure, why, why, we talk about this. Why is justice important? Why is it important to have a biblical view of justice? And what's at stake if we do or if we don't? And like Solomon, we want to have the self-awareness, not because we're going to get this wish where we can just snap our fingers and then it would all happen, but we want to have this, this self-awareness to know that we don't have it all figured out. But also like Solomon, we know that just the knowledge of what biblical justice is, just the definitions are not enough. You see, Solomon would go on in that very same chapter to begin to administer God's justice. It's an amazing story. We don't have time to cover it here, but it has something to do with cutting a baby in half. Not really a Mother's Day friendly story, but, but, but go check it out. Just keep reading there, maybe tomorrow. But, uh, you know, Solomon, he'd go on to use this wisdom. And this is our prayer as well, that we would understand this, that we pray that God would reveal to us his heart for justice. Not so that we would just understand what it means, not so we could just tell off the people on Facebook, not so we would just have the right definitions, but that it would flow through us to the vulnerable, into broken systems, into broken homes. Justice flows through us to the people who fall through the cracks, to the people who get trampled, to the left out. It's actually the people who Jesus spent the majority of his ministry with. This is the aim of biblical justice. 
So we've covered a few definitions, and I would encourage you to go back and listen to those sermons on our website, on the app, on YouTube, wherever you, you want to find them. Um, but, but this week, I want to take, take a breath and step back a little bit. And I want to I go from, from full-on, full-sentence definitions, step back a little bit, and regroup. And I just want to look at two words, just two words. And they're two Hebrew words that come up time and time again when we read of justice in our Bibles. And I put them up here on the screen where you can see them. And we're going to do a little bit of practicing, okay? Get the phlegm in the back of your throat. You've got to have this for Hebrew, all right? So the first one is mishpat. Mishpat. This is not what you're making for lunch, but this is uh, mishpat. This is a word for justice. Everybody say mishpat. Mishpat. Yeah, say it with some gusto, all right? The next one has got a little more fun to it. The second one is zedekah. Zedekah. Say it with me. Zedekah. All right, there you go. You guys know just as much Hebrew as I do now, right? Here we go. Mishpat and Zedekah. In English, these words are translated justice and righteousness in that order. But in the Hebrew, a lot of times these words are kind of mushed together, smashed together into one word that just make up the idea of God's justice. And so when we look and we want to translate, we want to, what, is, what is biblical justice? It's a pretty good idea to start with the words that the Bible uses about justice. Now, we're a little bit removed in our English transla- translations, so we got to do a little bit of work and a little bit of definition. So let's start first with this first word, mishpat, mishpat. Mishpat has been called retributive justice. This is often what we think of when we think of justice, when we think of criminal justice, when we call our, our highest appointed judges justices, this is the idea. Mishpat justice or mishpat justice is it's that that evens the scale. If something has been done wrong to someone, mishpat will set that correctly or set that right. Give someone punishment if they've done something wrong. Give someone retribution if they've lost something. Give someone protection if they need it. Give someone rights if they don't have them. Mishpat is used over 200 times in the Old Testament. Here's just a few of them. Psalm 103 verse 6 says, The Lord offers mishpat, justice for the oppressed. Psalm 140 verse 12, I know the Lord will will maintain the cause of the afflicted and give justice for the poor. That's mishpat. Isaiah chapter 42, he will not be disheartened or crushed until he has established his mishpat on this earth, his justice. Wrongs will be made right. And then the one we've talked about a few times in this series, you've probably heard before, Amos chapter 5 verse 24. Let justice, let mishpat roll down like the waters. Over 200 times in the Old Testament. So if we're asking what, is, what do we want God to reveal to us as to justice is, this is one piece of the puzzle. Mishpat is one piece. When you, when you see injustices of the world, we have to immediately know as people of God that it is not God that is being unjust. And then when we see justice administered from the heavens, that is God's intended world. And next week, Wayne is going to talk a little bit more about what it looks like when, when God's justice is corrupted and the ways when we get off course of biblical justice, how far off we can really end up um, from what God truly wants his justice to look like. But what we see in scripture is clear, is that, we, that God cares when the vulnerable are mistreated. That's mishpat. It's God's love and mercy and justice all into one. Mishpat is when, when God says he cares for the vulnerable, when they are mistreated. That justice is not being served. That is an unjust society when the vulnerable are mistreated. There's a 
scholars would call um, out in, in the scriptures when we see this word mishpat and even zedekah used over and over again. A lot of times they're linked with what scholars call the quartet of the vulnerables. The quartet of the vulnerable. You've probably seen this while reading through your Bibles mentioned over and over again and mentioned together are the widows, the orphans, the immigrants, and the poor. And God had, God had his plan and idea for justice for those specific four. They're mentioned over and over again, so much so that it can't be an accident that there is some connection between God's justice and this quartet of vulnerable people. And so God is not a God that just sits on a throne and throws down lightning bolts and says, this is my justice and forces it upon everyone else. No, he has called us to also care for people, to care for people, to, to care for those vulnerable, those that are mistreated. He longs for mishpat to be all over this world. He, and he will show us the world. And, and, and that's where the second word comes in. See, mishpat just seems like it's like these, these rules and these orders, and it's the ideal, perfect society, mishpat. But then there's, uh, then there's zedekah. The word zedekah is, um, if mishpat justice and um, if that's the justice that evens the scale, right? We've got, we've got, you know, stuff that is unjust and mishpat is going to, you know, you've got criminal justice, you've got uh, police officers, you've got all of this that comes in and rights the wrongs, that, that makes things just, that evens the scale. Zedekah is, is different. It's not on a, like a larger scale, this, this ideal, this idea, this, what, what God has, has ordained, but it's this, it's this call to us person to person. The Zedekah life is living out God's justice in relationship. It's our interpersonal justice. So to live a life of justice is Zedekah. To live a, to live a life of justice is Zedekah. That's, that's the difference in the two words, but they're so closely related. It's translated charity or giving or to live a generous lifestyle. In some places, it would just be to be a, a good person. Corey told me this week while we were, we were kind of looking through these words, he would say that Joseph in the New Testament, you know, um, the stand-in dad for Jesus, right? Kind of that situation there where he wasn't, he wasn't you know, biologically Jesus' father, but, but the scriptures tell us that Joseph was a good man. Joseph was a Zedek, a Zedekah. He lived that life. He played his role and he did it with righteousness. So we see that word so many times translated righteousness in our Bibles. And over 150 times in the Old Testament, um, we, see the word, we see the word Zedekah. And nearly 40 of those times, it's alongside Mishpat. So you will see talk of God's justice and righteousness. You will see talk of longing for justice and righteousness. It's this, uh, this, this retributive justice and this interpersonal justice working hand in hand. They've been called two sides of the justice coin. If you think of it that way, we want to think of biblical justice. There's more than just one definition. There's mishpat and there's zedekah. Here's, here's a way that kind of helped me understand it. And maybe I'll just confuse everybody more. But imagine a really busy intersection. You know what they used to have in Willard, but now they just have those fun loop-de-loops, right? Like imagine a really busy intersection where you tend to see a lot of accidents and you see like people getting impatient, lots of traffic, all that sort of stuff, pretty much anywhere south, right? <laughs> anywhere down there. So if, if, if you imagine a, a busy intersection, you've got lights and signs and all that sort of stuff, flashing, you know, red, yellow, all that sort of stuff. Um, think of it in, in this way. If everyone 
respected and cared for one another in a, let's say, a Zedekah way, in a, in a just way. And we all pulled up to a busy intersection. We know everybody else is in a hurry and everybody else is frustrated that we have to, you know, go through this intersection and there's cars coming this way and this way and this way. If everyone lived a perfectly just life, there would be, there would be no problems at that intersection. We wouldn't need lights. We wouldn't need traffic cops. We wouldn't need any of that stuff. Everyone would just look out for one another, right? Just as we all do when we're driving, right? Uh, we, we would drive up and we'd make sure everything's safe and we'd cautiously go through that, that intersection. Now, you know this, and I know this, that that is ridiculous, right? That there's no way that we, that, that we could live in a society like that. I've been to some, on, on some mission trips where that's just kind of how it works. And you just kind of, if your bus is bigger than everybody else's, you just go, right? And that's not really Zedekah. That's just like the big dog eats, right? Like everybody else, get out of my way. I'm getting through this intersection and I'm going where I need to go, okay? And sometimes it's, sometimes it's like that. But because we don't live in a, in a perfect society where everyone um, administers Zedekah to the other person, where everyone is thinking about, oh, I don't want you to be mistreated. I don't want you because, you know, you have a, a slower car or because you, you are a little timid coming up to this. I don't want you to get left at this light forever, at this intersection forever. I'm going to look out for you. I'm going to look, I'm going to help you through this. Everyone's looking out for, because we don't live in that kind of society, mishpat exists in traffic lights and police officers and signals and signs and things to tell us the ideal way where we can all work together to get through this. And you can see why it would be a problem when we ignore the signs, right? When you ignore the yield signs or when you ignore the stop signs, there can be a problem there. And so the lights and the mishpat, that sets the standard. Now, do not try your Zedekah life as you're leaving church today and our traffic officer is trying to get you to watch his hands. You're just like, I'm just living my Zedekah life, right? right. He's not going to care about that. And you're going to go to jail on Mother's Day. Okay, so let's start that a little bit farther down Highway H. And uh, we'll just love one another. All right, so, um, so don't, don't, don't try that. So, so just, a, just a quick recap. Just a quick recap. God cares when the vulnerable are mistreated. That's mishpat. But secondly, we should care when the vulnerable are mistreated. That's our part in biblical justice. That's the Zedekah. That's the ideal of, of, of living and pursuit. Now, righteousness means that you are uh, pursuing the things of God. And, and this doesn't stop in the Old Testament. Jesus said, now bring that same word, and we've got Greek equivalents in, in the New Testament as well. When Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his what? righteousness. It's the Greek equivalent of the word Zedekah. And all these things will be added. See, pursuing Jesus is a call to pursue justice for the vulnerable and to look out for the left out. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's that same word, that same idea for they will be filled. See, pursuing Jesus is a call and a longing for justice. And it's to feel, feel the pit in your stomach when it's denied or mistreated. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Pursuing Jesus looks like this. It looks like you stand up for justice in the everyday life, even when there's opposition, especially when there's opposition. To be a person of peace where everyone else wants to fight. To be a bridge builder when everyone else wants to divide. 
Followers of Jesus don't have the luxury of ignoring God's laws. And followers of Jesus don't have the luxury of ignoring the people made in his image. Those two have to coincide. They have to be two sides of the same justice coin. And there are hundreds and maybe thousands of ways that you could think of right now on how you could participate in, how you could let God's justice flow through you. And I wish we could just share all the ways. I wish I could have every organization that I know is, is in a space like that up on this stage and we could talk about what they're doing and we could get excited. We could support them. We could love them. A lot of them we support here locally. Missionaries, healthcare workers, school teachers, foster parents, special needs advocates. The list goes on and on and on of ways that we can support the Zedekah life. That we can support interpersonal justice for the vulnerable and the oppressed. And, and you probably even have an organization in your mind that's dear to your heart. Well, I want to introduce you to one this morning, and, and maybe you've heard of it. Wayne ended his sermon last week with a quote from Kaylee Morgan's article on biblical justice. And I'm going to ask Kaylee if she'll come up here and grab one of these seats. Oh, hi, guys. Hey, what's up? I'm going to be on this side. Right. Ah, there we go. Hi there, Kaylee. Um, he... Kaylee works with Be The Bridge, and some of you may have heard of Be The Bridge. I know we've shared some stuff on our uh, social media feeds with them as well. And um, Kaylee and I met through our sister church, College Heights Christian Church, just down the road in Joplin, um, through our, her college minister there and all of that. And so, um, so I just got just a few questions. First off, just tell us a little bit about yourself, Kaylee. So what, um, you know, quick bio, maybe just a little, a little introduction. So yeah, everybody of course. Um, my name is Kaylee Morgan. Um, I'm now living in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I am the Youth and University Program Manager at Be The Bridge. I am also the Advocacy Coordinator at an online magazine called Iridescent Women. Yeah. Um, so you went to college in, wait, you went to high school in Carthage. Yes. So also just down the road, all right? You went to college in Joplin. So how do you get from Joplin, Missouri? You ran track, right? Yes, Yeah. I did. Okay. That's, that's impressive. Um, that's important. <laughs> that's important. Yeah. That's a, um, so you, so you're at college high Christian church. You worked there for, for a time and then you end up in Atlanta. What, um, how do you end up in Atlanta, Georgia? So, right. So right after college, I moved to, um, Dallas, Texas because I was like, get me out of here. <laughs> um, I grew up here forever. Um, so I went to Dallas, Texas and ended up interning at a church there and um, met one of my closest friends. Now her name is Andy Andrew, and she pastored a church in New York City at the time. So fast forward, I spend my time at College Heights, that time comes up, and she invites me to move to New York City in January of 2020. And you know, what's the worst that could happen? Yeah. Um, a global pandemic. Um, so yeah, so I got stuck in New York uh, for the last two years. And um, in that time, my friend's church did a training with Be The Bridge. And so that is how I met them. My friend invited me to join the training, got connected with the team, and then they ended up asking me to apply for this position. Great, great, great. So a lot of time in New York, in your apartment, <laughs> stuck yeah, there. So, seven people. So yeah, <laughs> seven in one apartment. Okay. Um, okay, so uh, you work with Be The Bridge. So tell us just a little bit about what Be The Bridge is, kind of their mission, um, and why you were drawn to work, to work there. To go yeah, of course. Um, I have three big passions in life. That is Jesus, 
that is racial reconciliation, and that is the next generation. And Be the Bridge is a faith-based racial reconciliation organization. So they exist to equip and empower people and point people towards um, racial healing, unity, and reconciliation. So when they invited me to run their next-gen department, I was like, this is a no-brainer. So, um, so we, we quoted your article a little bit last week, and we'll give everybody can find that on uh, in your links and that sort of stuff. But um, uh, your most recent article is understanding biblical justice, um, and one of the things that you said was like um, you kind of compared kind of our criminal and criminal and social justice worlds to biblical justice, and kind of trying to figure out the definitions and all that. And and you said it really comes down to one end goal, and it's make them pay versus make them better. Could you like open that up a little bit more? Like, why is that difference so important? Yeah, um, the two types of justice, like I say in my article, align pretty much all the way until the end. Um, but what we can see as believers and Christians is, I mean, you see it in John three sixteen that God sent His Son, um, and then you keep reading, and it's to not con- not to condemn, um, but to save and restore. Um, And so when we look at justice, Jesus already paid the ultimate punishment. So the punishment piece is already taken care of. So as believers, we are left with the redemption side of things. It's really a punishment versus redemption. And Jesus takes the punishment away. Therefore, we're left with restoring and renewing um, individuals. So working and writing, you kind of live, live, live in this space. You've mm-hmm. seen a few of your blogs and some of the Instagram posts, that sort of stuff. Um, has anyone ever disagreed with you? Like, All the time. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe just a few. Okay. Um, kind of a two-part question. In, in those difficult spaces, in those, in those hard, hard spaces and, you know, disagreement and debate or whatever. Um, one, what keeps you from checking out? What keeps you from just going back to New York and hiding in an apartment for two more years, right? Um, and secondly, what are some ways you'd encourage Christians to step into these hard places and pursue biblical justice? Yeah, so. I would say what keeps me going is understanding my role in this grand scheme of things. Um, my job is not to come into these spaces, even like today, and change anyone's mind. Um, what my job is, is to leave people without an excuse. So you may hear me and you may be like, this girl is nuts. Or, you know, she's kind of cool. She has tattoos. Her shoes are kind of dope. Um, you know, you, you, you're, you're going to hear what you want to hear. Um, but I know that all I was called to do um, was to come in here and leave you without an excuse to carry these conversations on forward. Um, so that keeps me going because it takes a lot of pressure off of me. And I can come in, I can give the truth, I can say what the Lord has put on my heart, and I did my part. Um, how would I encourage people to continue these conversations? Um, yeah, to step into those spaces. Uh, these conversations can get heightened. Um, they're tense. You can always like hear a pin drop in the room whenever we talk about justice. Um, and especially in my realm, the racial side of justice, the racial reconciliation. And because these can get heightened, um, I kind of have a like acronym that I kind of live by and I wrote about in an article um, and it's level. So because these conversations can get tense and high, you want to make sure that you personally are staying level. And in that you are loving the other person, 
You are empowering the other person. You're validating the other person. You're educating them. And you're also taking a humble approach and learning from them. Um, even if you think you have all the answers, even if you're the quote-unquote expert, you can always learn from other people. Even if it's learning what not to say, what not to do, you can always learn. And so that would be my advice to people is just making sure that you're staying level in these conversations. Yeah, so um, so I've, I've heard this before, and I've, I've probably even said it. What would you say to someone like, you just tell me, all right? Uh, what, if, what if I just told you, like, we just, like, just preach the gospel. Like, just, just preach the gospel and let everything else shake out as it is. As long as we're preaching the gospel, stop pursuing all of this, you know, whatever word you want to use, justice, social justice, you know, SJWs, whatever, you know, like, how does your view of biblical justice shape your actions towards outside of the simple answer of just give them Jesus, you know, just share, right. the, just, just share the gospel? Um, I would point people to James. Um, where it talks about not just being hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Um, God, one of his, one of the traits of God is he's just. And if we are made in the image of God, then we too are to be just. And it's not just a, we don't do justice to be saved. Um, we are saved, therefore we do justice. And so that's what I would kind of counter the like, well, just give them the gospel. It's like, yes, but the gospel is to be like active. It is not just to be something to receive. You're supposed to be acting that part out as well. Yeah, it's part of, part of the gospel. So mm-hmm. um, you're, not an out, you're not an outsider. You um, love the church. Um, you've not abandoned, you know, like outside the church, just like throwing, you know, you know rocks at the, at the thing. But um, so you're, you're committed to unity from the inside, from your experience in working in these spaces, um, helping young people and churches like us understand biblical justice and racial reconciliation. Um, I just want, want to give you a chance of what gives you hope? Like what signs of life have you seen? Because um, you, you look out in the culture and look in the world and it's just like everyone's got their shields up and they're you know, throwing stuff or whatever. And um, what gives what gives you hope as you've seen in these the next generation even? Yeah, um, one I would say the ultimate thing that gives me hope is knowing that one God can't lie, and He does promise us a better tomorrow. So I can wake up every day and know, you know, I may not personally see it today, but there is the promise that Jesus will return, and there will be a time where every tribe and tongue are together. Um, so that is one, the ultimate, like foundation of hope. I would say when we're doing these trainings or when I'm doing my teachings and watching it click in people, um, not that, that I get joy in people struggling, but when people wrestle, when people really take the time to dig into the word, um, those kind of things give me hope. And again, just knowing that this is what, I feel called and led to do. Um, And kind of leaning back on that again, where it's my job is just to leave people without an excuse, um, not to change anyone's mind. Um, And so when I can come into that understanding that, hey, I may not see the fruit of my labor, but I know that I am on mission to fulfill the, the return of Jesus in the every tribe and tongue, I would like to see that now. And so my hope is to have a heaven on earth where we can see those spaces. Yeah. 
Great. Okay, so tell people where they can. Wait, I had one more thing I needed to ask you. And okay. One of your tattoos says Spice, and oh, no. yeah. I feel like I have to ask you about your obsession with the Spice Girls. I you were going to ask about my Mishpat tattoo. I was like, oh, you have a Mishpat tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> she gets the yeah. Spice Girls or Mishpat. Which do you guys want to hear about? I mean, yeah, tell them. <laughs> okay, maybe both. Make them connect for us here, Kaylee. Okay. <laughs> I okay. put you on the spot. No, uh, <laughs> no Spice Girls, yes. Um, you'll see it in the bio of every one of my articles at the very end. It says, let it be known that Kaylee is the number one Spice Girls fan. Okay, all right. So um, that. Yeah, they're the reason I have my passport. <laughs> I did. Reason. Yes, I saw them in June of 2019. Yeah. It was so, the best moment of my life. So biblical justice... <laughs> And Spice Girls, I don't know what your life looks like. And you're like, there's no way I could pursue biblical justice with what I do. You're not the number one Spice Girls fan. So um, just want you to know that. So would you guys give, would you guys give Kaylee a hand? Thank her for coming up from Joplin there. So thanks. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. You can find her stuff at bethebridge.com. Is it .com? I'm sure. Google works too. You can just find that. Um, and then at the Iridescent Women blog, you can find that as well. So we're going to transition just into a time of decision. Um, this morning, if you have um, a decision to make, you have, a, 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 have been enlightened by what Kaylee has said or something maybe you've learned from the scriptures even this week, um, I would love to talk and pray with you on what it looks like for you to take your next steps towards Jesus, whatever that looks like for you, whether it's just living a little bit more of that Zedekah life tomorrow and the next day and the next day. I'd love to talk and to pray with you right outside these double doors, a decision point um, here towards the end of the service. You'll see them open up. It's just like a tunnel you go through. I promise you won't get jumped. Um, this is also a great time in our service to consider um, your giving. So as, as every service, we have an opportunity to give. You can do that online or you can drop it in any of these boxes as you head out um, just as we do every week. So as we continue to worship, would you all stand um, with us this morning as we kind of worship our way out of here. Thanks so much. Thanks for joining us this morning, Northside. Before you go, make sure you check in and let us know you were here. Text the word CHECK to 417-233-1200. If you want to respond to today's service, you can do that online through Decision Point. If you want to know more about baptism or becoming a member, you can request more info at northsidechristianchurch.net slash decision. This is also the place to find out about our life groups, find out what sort of service opportunities there are, or if you just need to get in touch with a minister. And if you're online, you probably use social media too. Make sure you're following along with Northside on our Facebook page, Instagram account, YouTube channel, or Twitter. We are glad that you chose to join us this morning. As we head out for the week, let's make sure we take the love of God with us. Take good care of each other, Northside.